Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Well, hey, good morning. Hope you're, hope you're doing well. Happy Fourth of July. Man, today we get to celebrate. There's going to be food. There's going to be fireworks. There's going to be some serious calorie intake, right? Like freedom, baby, America. But let's always remember where we get our true freedom from, our freedom from. That's Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing. And we have the privilege here in America that we cannot take for granted. And that's this freedom to come together and worship Him. So I want you to do me a favor real quick. Let's give honor where honor is due because this is a day of honor for our country and what our history has in store, but also an honor for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk to you about this big idea. Jesus is the truth and only He can set you free. I need you to turn to somebody next to you, maybe who is smiling, okay, preferably. If they're not smiling, give them a punch in the shoulder and say, smile. And then I need you to say this to him. He can set you free. Oh, wow. This is 1045. I mean, we got fueled up. Like, let's go. Come on. He can set you free. Turn to your neighbor. There we go. There you go. He can set you free. Jesus can do that. He is the truth. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Before you turn there, before we dive into the text, let me give you a little background of where we are at. This is known as the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It's this big epic party going on in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, now, it's customary. I think the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, they were onto something. Whenever God would do something great, what they had a history of doing is erect, or erect monuments, and they would throw a party. So when, any, when anything would happen, it would be like, oh yeah, God did something good, let's celebrate. Like, I think they're onto something there. When God does something good in your life, let's celebrate. So that's what they're doing right now. And this is what the celebration looked like. They would they would leave their homes, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would leave their homes for about a period of a week. They would come out to the streets of Jerusalem, and they would just hang out, party, reminisce of what God did for them in their past, in their history. Now, this we can find in Leviticus chapter 23, whenever they were led through the desert, whenever they were wanderers, a nomadic people, and they would have to erect these tents in the desert or build their, tree or, or build their huts or, or, or houses out of st uh, sticks, trees, mud, whatever. They, they call it this shelter. They had to just live according to what they could back then. So it's this time of honor. Now Jesus sends the disciples forward, and he says, hey, like the disciples are pushing Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, let's go to the feet. Let's show everybody how great you are. His popularity is rising across the land. And, and people knew, and Jesus knew, if he goes to Jerusalem, then his life could be in jeopardy. And we see this time and time again leading up to chapter 8, that Jesus, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him away. So then Jesus sends his disciples. He comes in the middle of the week of the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, and he starts to teach. Now, when Jesus would teach, people were polarized. They're like, wow. Like when he would communicate, he would stun people because his words were so prolific. 
Now it even gets to a point where these religious leaders, they start to gather around and they're like, they send the Roman soldiers, go handle Jesus. He's causing too much friction in our city. And they, they show up in, in John chapter 7 and they go to arrest him and, and they can't. They're like, what do we arrest this guy for? All he is is a great communicator. What do we do? He's a great, phenomenal teacher. So this time, critics are coming to listen to Jesus. The crowd is coming to listen to Jesus. Believers are coming to listen to Jesus. And then the feast concludes. Jesus resides, and he goes over to Mount Olives, east of the city of Jerusalem, and everybody goes back home. And the next day or so, Jesus shows up back to the temple, the epicenter of the city, and he begins to teach again. And now he is teaching to a more captivated audience of believers. So that's where we find our story, and Jesus is communicating some pretty real, honest truths to them. This is what I need your help with. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to be looking at John 8, chapter, 3, chapter 8, verse 31. You don't have to read along, you just follow along with me. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. And we'll address that later. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Let's pray over this morning's scripture. Lord, we give you this time right now, and we're just thankful for our freedom. May you continue to work in our hearts and our minds and give us the might to uh, listen and apply today's teaching. In your great and holy name, we all say, amen. You may go ahead and have a seat. Um, Instagram Reels. Anybody familiar with Instagram Reels? Come on, like they're awesome if you know what I'm talking about. Let me define them for you because I know some of us, we don't really know what Instagram Reels are. I've only like been on the bandwagon for about two months. Uh, my wife has been on it for like a whole year since they, and she was like always laughing. I never knew why she was laughing. So I get on my phone and there's this uh, Instagram Reels, this short little story, okay, or a short little video of about 7, 30 seconds. And there's everything from like golf tips to funny looking things like a dog video or like someone, you know, that, that cake thing. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe some of my people under the age of like, I don't know, 40, it's like they, they light up something and then someone gets hit. And then, like all these ridiculous videos happen on Instagram Reels, Okay. So like I will spend some significant time watching these Instagram reels. It's really bad, honestly. And uh, I'm ashamed of it. Um, I'm telling you my mistakes. And some of you are like, hey, I'm with you there, Pastor Blake, because it absorbs time before you know it. And you just swipe and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And it's ridiculous. Well, I made a serious mistake Father's Day weekend. Now, as you know, Sundays, Father's Day, uh, it can be a little hectic for a guy in my line of um, work, ministry. Uh, So we celebrate Father's Day on the Saturday before Sunday. 
my wife, she's awesome at celebrating. She like does the boys, like they all come out in shirts and like happy number one dad, you know, all these cool things and make me feel like a million bucks. And I'm so grateful for that. Saturday evening comes and I'm sitting there. Finally, we've been running around all day. I'm sitting on my man chair in my living room and uh, my sons walk out with these presents and these gifts. And, and I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. got presents, like got gifts, but I'm, it, it's Father's Day weekend. I get to do what I want. Like, just give me some time. Like, just relax. I'm watching Instagram reels right here. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm making a mistake right here. Like, like, I'm ashamed to really admit this. So my sons are like, lit up, dad, open this one so we can play it together. And I'm like, I do what I want. It's freedom for Father's Day on this Father's Day weekend. And and I I look at my wife and she's kind of puzzled and gives me that look of like, 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 what are you doing? Like the greatest joys in your life are right in front of you and you're hooked up on Instagram reels? And I I respond to her, I'm like, well, it's Father's Day. Like I, I get to do what I want. So that leads me to this morning's hang-up, and that's this. Oftentimes, we misunderstand where true freedom comes from. We misunderstand where, where we find our freedom. So we think we find freedom when a certain agenda gets passed for whatever social cause we want. We say, okay, there's freedom if I can get this. There's freedom when I can speak my mind and do what I want. There's freedom when that Republican gets in the office because then I got my guns on secure. I got my ammunition prices dropping. And we put our freedom in these certain areas when we're missing where true freedom comes from. Today I want to talk to you about the fundamentals of freedom that are highlighted in John chapter 8 verses 31. Augustine said this, he said this, the good man, though a slave is free, the wicked, though he reigns, is a slave. And not the slave of a single man, but what is worse, the slave of as many masters as he has vices. Today, you have freedom in God, which which requires a unique way of living or you have vices. Either way, there is a unique way we need to look at things. See, freedom was given to us by God through his son Jesus. So freedom begins ultimately with a relationship with Jesus. So number one for us today is this. The fundamentals of freedom is this. One, we need to believe and persevere. Now you read John 8, 31, verse 32. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now let's pause there and highlight a word right here called abide. We've heard the term, you need to abide by the law, right? It's acts or rules we need to follow. But if you look at the original Greek right here, this word word called mino, it adds a little more to there. It adds this idea of endurance, of perseverance. So what Jesus is saying to this group of believers is not only are you to believe, but you're also to endure what is to come. 
I think a lot of times when we think of this freedom thing, we think it's going to be easy. A relationship with Jesus is going to be easy. But right here, fundamentals of freedom is you're signing up and it's going to be a little challenging. You're going to have to be ready to say, hey, I'm going to persevere. Hey, I'm going to endure. Hey, I'm going to press on. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through. John the Baptist, he even says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So it's belief. And then whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's, it's belief, it's obedience. And I even love this word remains. If you look at different translations, that word can also be swapped out for abide. It means God's wrath is going to be persevering through your life if you're not obeying and believing in, in God. That's what Jesus, that's what John the Baptist is saying. Jesus' brother James even says this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, meaning believing in the law and looking and observing the law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then we continue on in 1 Peter, this prolific apostle. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants for God. So there's two ways we can go about it. We can look at our vices in our life or we can find freedom in God. It's this formula, I, I think it's found in the scriptures. It's there right before us. It's what I like to deem as the Jesus formula. It's belief in Jesus. Then there's obedience. So you believe and you obey. Then truth is revealed. That is freedom. My wife and I, we've been through some unique circumstances in life. And I wish I had the truth and the facts that were right before me so then I could act accordingly. But there's moments of faith in my life where all I had to anchor into and my wife had to anchor into is this belief in Jesus. And we're gonna follow what Jesus puts in front of us, his word, God's authoritative scripture. And sometimes I wish the truth would reveal itself instantly. But there's moments where it comes out a day, it comes out a week, it comes out a year or two or three. Where right here, it's this belief and obedience. God will eventually pull through. It might not be according to our time, but he'll pull through. He'll then reveal his truth to us and give us freedom. It took me about 30 years to figure some of this out, to apply this. To say, hey, I have a freedom that I, no matter what I go through, my God's going to persevere in my life. He's going to win out. But there's also scenarios where it's like, hey, we're not finding the truth right now. I don't know if I can live in freedom. So belief in Jesus, like, what is that? Obedience, come on. Now, culture, the world tells us this. It's the culture formula. And it's actually reversed. We see this, your truth. You define your truth. Now, here's the dangerous thing. Your truth might not be somebody else's truth. Your truth might not be someone else's truth. Then you follow through. So it's your truth. Now, notice, we didn't say obedience. We said your follow through. Because obedience requires authority structure. And there's moments that you see this push in culture and in the world where you, you don't want to abide by authority in your life. We see this all through the news and it's inundated with our children of like, I want to do what I want. So culture formula is like, you define your truth, 
You follow your truth. If it lines up with your truth, you follow it if you can. Then that will create your faith and your belief. And if that creates your faith and belief, then you'll be all right. Like you're, you're, you're getting it together. Like whatever you want to do. And then that's ultimate freedom. Now, let me give you some practical examples of culture formula. So there's this one that's kind of going on and you see it and I, um, I have this saying that I've picked up from someone that if it's in the river, it's just a matter of time before it gets down the current. So there's this thing that's been pressing on the news. There's some schools around this area that have hit the news. It's this idea of critical theory. Uh, maybe you've known it as critical race theory. There's a lot of different components of critical theory. And here's what critical theory is, and this comes from the Stanford Psychology and Philosophy Library. It's designed by some intellects during wartime Europe based on this idea of Marxism. These individuals formed a school called the Frankfurt School, where they aimed and theorized how to dismantle what was to create social change. So critical theory, it's this idea of emancipation from slavery acts as a liberating influence. Now, because such theories aim to explain and transform all pre-existing ideas and circumstances, here we go, that enslave human beings. So therefore, many critical theories have been developed. In other words, the course of the history when it comes to this idea of critical theory or critical race theory, when we see some of these things, it's this. It tries to eliminate authority. It tries to put authority back in our own uh, position and, and in our own sphere. And it, it basically dismantles hierarchy, authority, and what God is giving people. Now, an ideal. And it's given to and it's formed by created created beings for created ideals. Now, there's a couple issues with this. One is this. When imperfect people create things, a lot of times there's some imperfections that come along with that. Anybody got an iPhone? That thing has a hundred more times computing power than the people we sent to space, than the technology we had to send people to space the first time. But don't you ever get mad when you're touching your phone and the screen's not working, you can't swipe up, and the face doesn't recognize you? Well, things that people create are, happen to be imperfect. So when we try to develop a theory, I don't mean this in a bad way, but a lot of times that theory might not be accurate if it doesn't go in line with God's authoritative word. And in the Bible, there's clear authority structure. It's exhibited, it's given to us. Even Romans 6.22 says this, it says, but, but now that you have been set free from sin, okay, and have become slaves of God, okay? So again, critical theory saying, let's eliminate all enslavement. And God is saying here, right here in Romans, the apostle Paul is writing that, no, you're gonna be enslaved. Like that's, that's part of it. The fruit that gets you leads you sanctification and ends in eternal life. Let me give you another example when it comes to this idea of this cultural theory, of this cultural formula of freedom. God is binary. That means there's two. There's heaven, hell. There's righteousness, sin. There's man, woman. There's husband, wife. There's day, night. And the list will go on and on and on. Now, culture formula 
doesn't believe in a binary God. They believe in a spectrum thinking God. That you can just kind of slot in how you feel your truth. Serious danger when it breaches God's authoritative word. Now going back to point number one, we must believe and persevere. It is hard. It is extremely frustrating out there how to lead and live your life when culture is overwhelming. It's this idea of perseverance in your life. It's this fundamental, I'm going to persevere and stick to God's word. No matter what comes on, what's God's word say about it? If you want freedom in your life, let's open up. What's God say about this topic? How's this apply to my life? Who can I lean into for wisdom in this area? Number two, freedom. When it comes to the fundamentals of freedom, eliminate presumption. Eliminate presumption. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now I scratch my head on this one. I'm like, okay, they're, they're touting on one hand their heritage. We're, we're part of the select group, the believers that Jesus is addressing. They're saying we're, we're part of that group. But it's like, you don't remember that you were enslaved to the Egyptians? You wanted the good, but you kind of forgot about the bad? How was that you say you will become free? See, we define presumptuous presumption like this, a form of self-confidence which makes overconfident assumptions concerning one's importance and rights. This is one of the most unique, uh, I believe, areas that believers can wrestle with. Again, Jesus is talking to believers. One of the most unique areas that we wrestle with because we have this overconfidence about us. Well, I'm not as bad as the person sitting next to me. Like, my issue isn't as bad as their issue. I remember I was sitting in a, a college course called Ministry, Ministerial Ethics. Uh, Professor Kenneth, um, uh, Kenneth Fent. And it was like one of those clear moments in my life that it was, uh, I'll never forget. I'm sitting there with a couple buddies. It's after the lunch hour. It's almost like if you don't get an A in this class, then you should just drop out. It's one of those classes. So we're sitting there and he asks this question. And he goes, this is, I'm 20 years old. I have life figured out. Like I'm dialed in, I'm spot, you know, like we're just, me and a couple buddies, let's, hey, let's get this class through. Come on, we're future pastors, world changers, kingdom conquerors. Like, you know, we have all this gumption with ourselves. And he asks this question and kind of caught us off guard. It's this, he goes, how many of you ever think you'll break the, your covenant with your spouse? A lot of us weren't married at the time. We're in college and we're like, dude, we're future pastors. I'm paying for you to ask me this question, buddy. Like, seriously. And uh, he, he asked it again and, and we sit there and we're like, dude, I'm, are you asking if we're ever gonna step out on our spouse? No, we're Christians, man. Like, we're never gonna do something like that. Like, seriously, that's... We're, we're going to be future pastors. Why are you asking us this question? So a group of us, we're sitting around each other. We raise our hand like, we're never going to do something like that, Professor uh, Fent. Like, no way. Like, you're looking at strong, awesome people right here. And I don't know if I have that face that just gets picked on a lot. Um, my hand's up. It's proud. I'm like, man, I'm going to be an awesome husband. Right, babe. She's in here. 
And he goes, he goes, Mr. Hansen, there's about 10 of us raising our hands. And he goes, Mr. Hansen, the moment you think, the moment you are overconfident in this area in your life is the moment you are most vulnerable and ripe target for the enemy. It's this idea of presumption, this overconfidence. You might have some presumption going on in your life when you're watching people walk through the door and say, oh, you know, maybe you judge them by their appearance without having a conversation with them. Maybe say, well, hey, you know, I have mistakes, but it's sure not as bad as that person. Presumption, it, it can really dismantle a believer's life. These individuals that Jesus is speaking to, they're saying, our heritage has secured us. We're Abraham's children. They're, they're overconfident that their legacy and that their history would save them. They're missing it. They're living this life of presumption. And it's interesting because the apostle Paul, he writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Paul says, I die daily. The, the antidote to presumption is humility. How are we willing to serve others? How are we willing to love God? How are we willing to love people? John 8, right before this verse, we see the story of this woman who commits adultery. And Jesus and the crowd is around and Jesus says, cast the first stone if you haven't sinned. There's this theme that runs, don't judge people by their appearance. This presumption posture, this overconfident, I got everything together. Like a church is a hospital for broken and hurting and, and people that need a savior, a freedom that their vices haven't given them. We see that this theme continues in John chapter 7. It says, do not judge by appearances. I love what John the Baptist, he says, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. This posture to say, Jesus, you arise, limit me. Humility is a fundamental thing for freedom. Number three for us when it comes to the fundamentals of freedom is this, we must replace our patterns with godly practices. John 8, 34 verses 34 through 36, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What's interesting when Jesus is talking to these believers, they, they don't even know that what they're doing, this posture of overconfidence, of presumption, is even an issue. They think their patterns are good. Hey, Jesus, we kept 607 laws out of the 613. We got it in the bag, man. Like, we're in a relationship. That's their posture right now. They're thinking that, hey, we're connected to Abraham. We're all right. See, sometimes when it comes to our patterns in life, it kind of blows in like a fog. We, we don't really, we just, it kind of just appears. It slowly seeps in, and before we know it, we kind of miss it. American swimmer Florence Chadwick became the first woman swimmer to swim both the English Channel both ways. She also attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the coast of California. 
What made her failed attempt so newsworthy was the reason that she did not make it. Now, anytime, like, I swim, like, 50 feet, and I'm exhausted. She's doing some incredible feats right here. But she didn't get to her goal or her destination, not because of sharks were in the water, not because of being stung by jellyfish, not because of fatigue, muscle cramps, or just tired, and she wants to give up. Where she is at, she missed because of fog. She lost sight of the coastline. She couldn't tell where to go. So she gave up. I think a lot of times when we get in the mix of our patterns and our daily rituals, we kind of just lose sight in that fog. It starts small and then it billows up and we can't see and we miss where we're going. I love what some rabbis have said about mistakes and sin and They've said this, at the beginning, it's like a spider's thread. Later, it's like a ship's rope. At the beginning, it's like a guest in the house. Later, it's like the household ruler. At the beginning, it's like a weak woman. Later, it's like a ferocious, strong man. How are we living our lives, the patterns and the practices? Are they in accordance with God's word? Are, are we finding freedom with what we're supposed to obey and live life with and for and with Jesus? I want to encourage you, where are your patterns at? Freedom comes with this evaluation of your patterns with godly practices. I, I, I push this and I say this all the time. If you're a family in here, the importance of getting to church, your children getting to church is so, so, so great. Pastor Joe and I, our children's pastor, we were talking one day and one of the recent stats that he said that almost 90% of people come to meet Jesus before the age of 18. It kind of blew my mind. A practice of getting to church, a practice of, hey, I have this going on, who can I talk to? Hey, a practice of getting in your word, a practice of talking and, and, and showing up and being involved in a group and serving your church is vital. Evaluation of the patterns of your life. Number four for us today is the fundamentals of freedom. Make room for truth. Now, we see this, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, Jesus is confirming, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. So this time we see Jesus. He's talking to a group of believers. Like, they, like he, he says, you're a group of believers. I, it's ironic. But he also sees this turn in them. Several chapters later, they go to put Jesus on the cross. Many of the similar or familiar faces that Jesus was just once speaking to is now on the other side of the fence saying, crucify him, crucify him. Put him up on that cross. See, they had no place for the new teachings of Jesus, for the love of Jesus, because they were so overwhelmed and inundated with their presumption, this posture, this attitude of, don't come and tell us to change our ways, Jesus. We don't, we, we don't want to hear that right now. There's no room. Their pride welled up in their heart so much that they couldn't receive what Jesus was communicating. 
So my question for you is, are you actively making room for Jesus in your life? There's 168 hours a week. How many hours are allotted to your relationship with Jesus? Are all of them? Are some of them? Are, are we picking and choosing? I found this really uh, unique and interesting. The, the Center of Bible Engagement says this, reading your Bible four or more times. Now, they polled 40,000 Jesus followers. And these are some of the significance. And I find it ironic. If you give Jesus the majority of your life, okay, it will drastically change where you stand and where you're at. Let's look at some of these stats. If you just read your Bible four more times, if you give God the majority in your week, 74% less likely to gamble, 61% less likely to engage in adult-only explicit content online, 57% less likely to get drunk, 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage. And then these last three I found extremely unique and and I just want to highlight some of them, 228% more likely to share your faith. Now I want to pause there because there's this thing that's coming up through the generations and in churches that specifically Gen Z, millennials, I like to look at some of this is where, hey, I don't want to infringe on people my beliefs. Like people should just come to church. People should just make this happen and their relationship with Jesus is just between them and them and God. That's like standing up there and saying, there's a cliff coming. Hell is down that cliff. That person's driving 80 miles an hour and they're getting ready to go. And yet you couldn't get up there a little bit and just held a yield sign, a slow down sign, a stop sign. 228%, if you read your Bible four more times, you're, like, you're more likely to be like, man, I'm bold for Jesus. You make room for truth, truth comes out of you. I wanna encourage you no matter where you're at, share the real truth, share the ultimate freedom in your life. And then 400%, 407% more likely to memorize scripture. I was having a conversation this week with a close family friend and, um, best friend, my sister, shout out to you, love you, Tiffany, and family. We've been going through some things with my mother. Thank you so much for all your prayers, and we're having a conversation. And when it comes to this, 407% more likely to memorize scripture. We're living in a time now more than ever, if we have families, if we have kids, where you have to be an apologist for your faith. You have to be able to defend your faith by knowing God's word. Because what, what can happen is this. You can do this with your children. You can bubble wrap them and stick them in the closet and then pull them out by the age of 20 and hopefully they're okay. But now like you can't watch Netflix, you can't watch Hulu, you can't get on ABC basic programming without something popping up in front of your child and being like, okay, let me explain that a little bit to you because right now you don't understand it. Parents, we're being forced to raise our kids in a day and in a generation where we have to teach them God's truth very early on. My, my sons are five and three and we go through different practices. We read our Bible, we help them say kind words, we challenge them with different objectives and activities. And we say, hey, do these things. Why? Because this is what scripture says. So we have to plant that in their lives early on. 
Memorize scripture so whenever someone at school does something to you, you know how you're going to respond. I think that's something for all of us. When we put God's word in our life, things change drastically. And then I, you know, we live in this day and age, 30% less likely to be lonely. Depression, anxiety are rampant. We saw this through COVID, people being by themselves, confused, concerned. You know, uh, as someone who struggled in some of these areas, um, when you have God by your side, even when you're not feeling it or you're there, it's, hey, if I'm reading my Bible, that's a solution to what can happen. When you're making room for truth, when you just give them the majority of your week, things drastically change. So if you're in here and struggling with anxiety, depression, different things, I want to encourage you, first step that you can make, give God the majority of your week. Things can drastically shift for you. See, then making room for truth also means we need to be willing to readjust our viewpoints. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, I speak of what I have seen with my father. He's been in the presence of God. And then he goes on, and you do what you have heard from your father. You know, Jesus is addressing these believers. He doesn't write them off. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? You don't come from where I come from. You don't look, you don't talk the way I do. So I'm not going to engage in a conversation. In fact, he goes on to have a pretty long conversation with this group. See, he adjusts their viewpoint. He adjusts his viewpoint to meet them where they're at. He says, I I get, you don't understand where I'm coming from, but I want to try my best to help you find this freedom. And that's the message that he's delivering. See, some of us in this place, we come from a two-parent home, a single-parent home, a foster home, a divorced home. Some of this place come from wealth, poverty, all in between. Some of us in this place have gone through some really serious circumstances. But when you make room for truth, you understand that life is full of people who are broken in one way or another, who all come together to unite around a central fundamental freedom, and that's what Jesus has given us. A new way, a belief, an obedience, a truth, and ultimately a freedom. So today, as we conclude and we wrap up, I want to encourage you with two things. First one is this. I want to ask you this. Have you started a relationship with Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know God raised you from the dead. For that, I will believe. For that, I am saved. That's where it begins. That's where freedom, because if it's not Jesus, it's this sin of death. It's this life of death. It's this idea of, I have vices. What's controlling my life? Are you like Instagram reels where you miss some really prime opportunities in your life? Or you say, hey, I have freedom found in Jesus. I'm going to follow his practices. I'm going to put them as patterns in my life. Or maybe number two, let's say you have a relationship with Jesus you've had for some time. Maybe there's some fundamentals in your life that you need to reevaluate. Presumption. Maybe it's this idea of you need to persevere a little bit. You need to believe and persevere. Because 
It can be challenging. And sometimes we just need to be told, pat on the back, hang in there. Or maybe it's we need to make room for truth in our life. We need to make room and give God more majority of our week than a minority of our week. The fundamentals to freedom. So I'm going to ask us, each, each one of us in this room, to stand. We're going to close in a song, so if you'll stand with us. And uh, I like to ask this question because I'm a visual person. I want to know who I'm praying for this week. If you're struggling in this, if you're struggling in one of these areas, if you need prayer, or if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you just to, with every head bow, eyes closed, we're going to close in prayer and a time of worship. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If there's something, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, just raise your hand right now. If you need to evaluate some fundamentals of freedom in your life right now, just raise your hand. God, right now, for every hand raised, we pray with every eye closed, head bowed. We call on your name. We know that you are the ultimate truth and the freedom. May we define your belief, or may you define your beliefs on our hearts, and that we follow you, and that we obey you, and that ultimately you reveal your truths to us moment by moment. Lord, for those who are starting a relationship with you, maybe in their heart or their mind, the conversation that they're having right now where they know that you didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I pray for them this week. Pray for them now. And God, for some of us who are struggling with some of these ideas of finding fundamentals and freedom, I pray specifically for them as well. Because God, we know this. We know the world sees freedom a different way, but we know we find freedom in you. And for that, we are always grateful. And that we celebrate and that we pray. In your great and holy name, we all say, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.